Hey, this is Jonathan. Welcome back to the program. I'm so thankful you're here. And for those who subscribe and follow this podcast, I'm sorry it's been a few weeks. I have had a long semester in my marriage and family therapy program, and I'm wrapping it up. So I've got a new podcast for you for those who try to listen in real time. And I'm thankful to have you guys back. Now, this week, Wesley Hubbard, he'll be on both this week and next week. We're talking about the Beatitudes. But before that, we spend some time talking about uh, Wesley Hubbard's upcoming journey towards ordination as an evangelist. So let's jump into that part of the conversation first, and then we'll start an excellent Bible study discussion on the Beatitudes. Here we go. You are not a new guest. That's a double negative. <laughs> you are a returning guest to the podcast. You've been on here a few times. Yeah. You've been here in studio, and then you were one of my first like internationally recorded guests. I think I'd recorded Wani <laughs> previously. Yeah, you recorded us in the, the uh, co- coffee shop in Cambodia. It was kind of cool because you could hear the, yeah. the hustle and b- bustle of the city behind us. It was neat. It was neat. And so welcome back been a while yeah and um you've been giving a series of sermons on the beatitudes so that's why i wanted you to come in here i feel like our audience would uh our listeners would really enjoy your thoughts on matthew chapter 5 the beatitudes today but before we get to that um i try to make these podcasts evergreen so whenever you listen to it it feels fresh but I will be referring to a very specific time, and that's coming up uh, in, wow, less than two weeks. Yeah. Uh, right? So to a week and, and six days from now, you're going to be ordained as an evangelist. And I'm really pleased about that. So why don't you, for people who uh, didn't know this about you, maybe they just they knew you were a, a teacher, that you traveled around and spoke, or uh, you have this gift of public speaking— Tell us about maybe your desire to be an evangelist, kind of your journey to this point where you're getting ready to be ordained. So uh, kind of uh, co- coincidentally, it was that trip to Cambodia that really sparked the desire in me. I liked to teach before then, but I didn't really I didn't really feel called. I didn't feel like I, that was something that I needed to pr- pursue. I did it out of d- d- duty to the con- uh, the congregation. But that that trip really lit a fire in me. Not not only was it exciting to kind of to talk to people who who never have heard the gospel uh, and to kind of see how things were were clicking in their in their mind and really you were you on that trip really had to teach me because i'm so used to teaching people who have Hmm. who have some knowledge of the scriptures but there were people there that had no knowledge and i was like jonathan where do i start (laughs) like we talk about jesus and they're gonna say who's that guy uh and so that excited me that fear excited me too uh i was stepping out of my comfort zone uh but it was very exciting it felt very fulfilling and i felt 
seeing these pe- people who did not even know who G- Jesus was, who did not know the gospel and did not know uh, really what their p- purpose in life was, I felt a responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I felt this overwhelming fear that that not not only up to that point had I not really done what I needed to do as far as evangelizing, uh, but that I suddenly had too little time to tell everyone. Yeah, yeah. There's a book we read together, um, Preaching Men and Method, and one of the first chapters, it talks about all the different character traits of an effective evangelist, and one of the character traits was the sense of burden. And I think you've just identified that in yourself, that uh, what separates an evangelist from maybe the, the I don't want to call it the average Christian, but maybe that from somebody who's not ordained. We'll just say that. What, what separates an evangelist is this sense of burden to take on this task for more than just a one night a week or, you know, weekend gig type of ministry, but this is something you want to give your life to. And it sounds like you you developed that whenever you were over there, the sense of burden that you need to be doing more for your with your life instead of it just being a, a weekend gig. I, I don't know that I would even say that it was a development as it was a train wreck. It just <laughs> it, it just it all kind of came on at once. It wasn't it really didn't feel like something that I grew in into as much as it was I need to get busy Hmm. Uh, and so yeah so here we are now and that was uh, probably four years ago January of 2018 there you go there you go because we got stuck in the snow in Toronto (laughs) that's right we did we got stuck in Toronto with uh with our khaki pants and short sleeve shirts, and it was like dressed for the uh, for the ch- ch- tropical jungle, right? And it was six degrees, but we both ate so much poutine <laughs> while, while we were in Canada. We never had, I'd never had it before. You had poutine before? I I had had a version, like a Texan v- v- version of this Canadian dish, yeah. and so that was it. Was really experiencing it for the first time there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so you you came back. Uh, you wanted it to be known. You wanted to preach. The The leaders at our congregation tasked me to work with you. So we read books together. We had several studies together where you're sitting right now is kind of your study spot. You know, you came in uh, for the better part of a year and then you started going out and uh, we asked other congregations to utilize you. And so for the past, what, three years or so, you've been on a rotation yeah. uh, with a few congregations in the area where you've you've preached more uh than you, you ever had before that oh yeah it was it was a whirlwind uh several co- congregations in the, the the area doing two services i was probably preaching at least four times a month uh as far as four s- s- services so about two s- sundays a month in, including what we were doing right at uh the former denton county Yes, you're right. Now Valley Parkway. And at the end of that, uh, now that we've got elders at Valley Parkway, you know, it came up pretty quick that 
we wanted to ordain you. So that's coming up in a week and a half. You'll be ordained, and you've already been offered a job. Yes, I have. Do you want to talk about that on air, or does that need to be? Yeah, yeah, we can. Uh, uh, through networking. Networking. <laughs> uh, you know, it was an opportunity that was br- brought up to to you. Like, hey, do you know anybody who wants to uh, come and help the congregation? congregation down in San Antonio. And uh, I said, I actually do know someone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so they asked me to come hold a, a m- meeting, and apparently they liked me. And so they uh, they asked me to come down there and assist them as best as I, I can. Uh, and I think, I think it'll, as, as of right now, I think it'll be a really good fit, and I'm very, very excited to be there. Well, I am very excited for you i'm excited for your family uh our family is it's like bittersweet you know you you guys live three houses down from us here in Euless, texas um we share a back alley that our kids are able to run through our kids have been best friends for ever since we've got back from cambodia you've been one of my best friends uh for a number of years and so i hate seeing you go for that reason um but the joy of seeing you go and what you guys can accomplish is greater than the sadness. And yeah. so that's what makes it bittersweet. Knowing that we're, that we're accomplishing, uh, God's will, that we're doing the Lord's work, uh, as sad as it is to leave y'all, uh, you know, when we're, when we're doing the work of, of the Lord, we can, we can do it anywhere by any means. And mm-hmm. so it's it's mm-hmm. one of those things where it's sad, but uh that's what we have to do. That's right. Now, let's let's transition uh you know, this what this is not just the all about Wesley Hubbard's preaching career hour, <laughs> but what you just said makes me think about what we've been called to do. We've been called to preach Jesus, talking about preaching. And there was a time when the greatest preacher of all time gave, in my opinion, the greatest sermon of all time. Yeah. And that's the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. And uh, for three chapters in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, Jesus is, it's not his first sermon. Even though chronologically in, in the book of Matthew it may appear that way, this is actually, you know, getting into, I believe, his second year of ministry or close to it. Um, but this is really the most, oh, what's the word I would use to describe? Formal? Yeah, it's a very formal setting uh, and delivery where it is a sermon. But man, it's uh, we, we've used the phrase, and, and you've used it in, in the sermons I've heard you give on this series recently. This is a truly a revolution of the heart. Yeah. And... In the same way that Moses was a lawgiver and went up on the mountain and gave the inaugural part of the law, Jesus goes up on the mountain and gives the inaugural part of his new law. Yeah. And so uh, how did you get to the point where you wanted to study this, and what was your motivation behind this series of sermons you've been working on? So I was giving, uh, it was kind of on my my mind, and it was an issue that I was I was de- de- dealing with, with, you know, the p- political a- atmosphere that we're, that we've been in for quite a while. Uh, 
I was starting to have opinions and thoughts that uh, about our government that I knew that <laughs> as as a Christian I didn't need to have. And so I decided to give a lesson on loving uh, your your enemies. And that kind of that kind of springboarded to me thinking, well that, you know, this was this was neat, this was fun, this was good, but I think each one of these each one of these points really builds on the uh, other point. So I wanted to, so I thought I'm going to do a s- series on, you know, you've heard that it was said, but, but I, I say, mm-hmm. and so I kind of started that and I thought, well, really, I just need to, again, kind of that same uh, idea that each, each point that he makes in the Sermon on the Mount builds on, on the next. I was like, I really just need to start in the beginning. Yeah. I really need to start at the start because it's, it wasn't a co- coincidence that Jesus started here because yeah. really this is a r- roadmap uh, to how we become a, 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 a Christian and how we and how we really maintain uh, our position in the in the kingdom. These are these are traits that we have to have in order to take that that step and then to maintain. Yeah, I, I've heard you say. I think you we had private conversation about it. I think you said it in in your opening sermon in this series that you have that this really is at the heart of salvation for a Christian. This is a very gospel yeah. uh, section to this sermon that he's opening up with what we're supposed to be. Yeah, these are character qualities that that he's indicating that this is this is what you have to be. And it's not so much, he's not saying this is what you have to do. He's saying this is the attitude that you have to have, which is, you know, this wasn't anything new to the audience. You know, he, he, had, he had talked about this before, and he, he t- talked about in the, in the scriptures, particularly of the, the, the Pharisees, you know, they were, they were so focused on, on doing things and, and, and the, the external things mm-hmm. But on the inside, they were full of de- de- dead men's bones. Oh, you know, right. he he just he describes them as hi- hi- hypocrites, and so really, what he's saying here is that these are the attitudes that you have to adopt because if you can't get the inside right, right. the outside will not be be, be right. The right. O- outside comes from the right. the the inside, and so he starts here uh, by saying this is. This is the right attitude. This is the character that you need to mm-hmm. adopt in order for you to be able to to have the type of faith, to have the type of commitment, to have the 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 to be the per, the the person who's able to do the things on the outside, right? Right, and yeah, you're bringing out this idea that the the recipients of this sermon were followers or potential followers of Christ. This was not a, a sermon that was really going out to the lost as much as was the people that were with Jesus already. And one of the challenges of preaching is writing sermons that are for the lost but are also challenging the saved to make sure that they're not so comfortable in their salvation that they've forgotten why they were saved in the first place. Yeah. So I think here we are 2,000 years later, I think we could still glean a lot of what you bring out in this study of what his, his intention is. If your heart's not in this, 
You're only doing it because uh, you think these external actions only can save you. And then you're like the, as you said earlier from Matthew 23, the the whitewashed tomb that appears good, but it's just filled with dead men's bones. Yeah, to, to claim that you have the spirit without the law makes you a liar. And to claim that you have the law without the spirit makes you a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you got to have both. You got to have the right a- attitude. You have to have the right heart. There are things you have to do. Right. I don't want to take that that away. Obedience is one way that we we show our lo- love to a God. Right. Uh, and so, but we, you know, we love God. We keep His c- c- commandments. Those those. You can't have one without the the, uh, the 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 other. Obedience and love are n- necessary to be the Christian that the Bible says we need to be. Yeah, and and even in this sermon, uh, in chapter seven, when he says, "Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, but he who does the will of my Father who's in heaven." So yes, there's got to be a, this equilibrium between uh, the heart and the action. And so we'll we'll no doubt get to that. Maybe I'll have you back on, you know, in the future as you write more studies in this series. I know you're you're actively writing them right now. Is that yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. So maybe you'll be a a regular guest over 2022 as you get them all written. Um, but we're focusing today on that first section called the Beatitudes. I may not know what the beatitude that word means. You know, some of our listeners may not know what that means. But what I see is a pattern. I'm looking here at my Bible, and in verse three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, it keeps using this introductory word of of blessed, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. So, can you take a moment maybe to talk about this section of scripture, the way it's just kind of laid out, its construction? Yeah. What what was he trying to do here? Yeah, you know when you, when you hear the word blessed, it's hard to really understand if, especially if you don't have a Christian background, to know what what does that mean. Mm-hmm. The Greek word, and I'm probably not going to say this right, but it, uh, you know, from my my uh, abilities here, your Texas draw, yeah, my Texas draw, m- makarios. Okay. And so Makarios uh, is literally translated as ha- happy, but there's more to it. It's not the type of ha- happiness that is based on external things or right. based on a c- c- circumstance. You know, like you're eating an ice cream cone, you know, you have ha- happiness. That's not the blessedness oh, that they're okay. talking about here. Okay. It's not, you know, the, the joy of of, you know having like said a good dinner or hearing a a joke something fleeting that's passing away it's it's really a contentment a satisfaction okay a settled joy uh it's used quite a bit in the in the uh the the new testament and it's it's has also been translated as uh bliss or blissful uh in greek uh, Homer used it to describe uh, the Greek gods as being content in themselves because mm. they were free from the difficulties and the trials of man. Okay. So it's it's this 
inner peace. It's this joy, this contentment, this satisfaction. It's not based on external things. It's not based on fleeting experiences. It's really a kind of a state of being. A state of being, sometimes translated bliss, uh, one that's providing immense satisfaction. It sounds like this list is going to be a bunch of really positive qualities. <laughs> no, <laughs> there's the the crazy part about this is that they, these are paradoxes, right? It's it's you know he says, "Blessed are those who who mourn, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, uh, blessed are those who are meek." These are these are things that the world would see and say, "No way! Okay. How can you be ha- happy?" by by taking on these character characteristics you know that may be the question of this section of scripture how in the world can we be happy when we take on these paradoxes and so maybe we could oh you want to add something i was going to say and one thing to to think about too is is it doesn't say i hope that you're blessed when you mourn, I hope uh, that you blessed uh-huh. that you're blessed when you're poor in spirit. Yeah. He says, "Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are meek." It is it is a, a guarantee mm. that if we can apply these characteristics to our our life, we will and can ha- can have that that joy, that satisfaction, and con- contentment. Uh, that can only be found from God and cannot be found in the world. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe what we could do is just kind of go through line by line, and maybe I'll read it, and then you can offer a thought about what, why Jesus would have this in the Beatitudes. And um, our listeners may be upset that, that I ask one more question before we jump into this completely. Sometimes you read this and you think, oh, that one's me. Oh, that one's not me. So I get to choose one of these, and that's that describes me. And then this is the other Christians, right? And so, you know, each of us gets gets a beatitude. Yeah. Is that the way that, that I should be looking at this and, and interpreting it? No, these are not like these these are not individual s- statements that we can kind of pick and say well I have this and I have that this isn't uh, a christian horoscope for me this to isn't I get a horoscope <laughs> these are not a l- l- list of of e- ethical uh statements these are things that 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 we have to adopt in in ourselves and really they build on one another it's not just that we can you know we can take on one without the other this is really what's the word i'm thinking of this is really a, a whole package mm. uh mm-hmm. and again one builds on the on on the other this is where you have to have to start you know at the end it says re- rejoice and be e- exceedingly glad right yeah. but you can't get there until you start in verse verse three right uh and so again this isn't we get to pick and choose which one we are, or, you know, we may excel in one. One might be really e- easy for, for us, and it might be really hard for, for you, mm-hmm. but there really is not a choice here that we can 
just pick a few and apply it to our lives. This is, these are things that we all need to adopt. Yes. Yes. So glad you said that because I, I completely agree. And I think sometimes when people say, oh, I'm, I'm the merciful, that, that's who I am in this section. They're really missing the point that Jesus is addressing all his followers. And if you are going to be a follower of Christ, you are going to be blessed in these ways, starting yeah. with the first one and ending with the last. Yeah. So the first one says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, yeah, that, you know, we we talked about it a, a minute ago that, that people talk about this uh, blissful state that we're going to have. But Jesus really does offer a paradox right from the start that you're going to have this blissful, contented state when you're poor in spirit. Yeah. These first three points are really a self-emptying uh, s- statements. It, it's indicating, you know, this poor in spirit is it's not it's not. T- t- talking about like, you know, your demeanor or your, your, again, that external ha- happiness. It's talking about being spiritually bank bankrupt, right. understanding right. and knowing that, that there are things that have to be done in order for me to be right with God. And I don't have it. So you're, you're using that phrase, uh, morally bankrupt. Is that what you said? Spiritually, spiritually bankrupt. bankrupt. Okay. Blessed am I when I'm spiritually bankrupt. Yeah. Why am I blessed when I'm spiritually bankrupt? That sounds awful. Because when you know that you can't do it on your own, mm. that you can't achieve uh, he- heaven on your own, uh, that you have to come to somebody else. You know, that, that word poor... Uh, is translated as as I can't remember what the the Greek word was, but it, it's it's describing not someone who's who's just poor, who's able to make it by on on their own, able uh, uh, with their own abilities to kind of you know to work and get enough for each day. This right. is this is describing somebody who is who is unable to mm. care. for, for themselves mm-hmm. uh, this was this word was used to describe Lazarus uh and it's so it's it's someone who is incapable in and of themselves uh to care for for themselves and they're wholly dependent on the grace and the m- m- mercy of someone else and so that's really the image that we get here. Again, it's not it's not meaning that we're poor, like we don't have any m- m- money. It's talking about poor in spirit. It's saying that we can't do it on our own, and we need the grace and the m- m- mercy of someone who has the means and the r- resources uh, to take care of us. Mm-hmm. And it, it naturally leads to the next one. Maybe I'm... Yeah. Uh, getting the cart before the horse here. But if I realize that I'm spiritually empty on my own, and when I fully come to terms with that despair, you know, that I'm destitute, I'm not able to, the natural product of, of that is to mourn. Yeah. And so Jesus says in verse 4, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So, yeah, when we recognize our our state when we un- understand 
that we can't do it and we see the sin in our lives and our inability to get rid of it, uh, there has to be a spirit of mourning in us that drives us uh, to search and seek for something better, uh, better than our current state, better than our current position, better than our current attitude. And that the mourning that we have has to occur in order to spur us to change. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, I want to read Romans 7, verse 21, because I feel like this is where Paul mourns. And it's a, it's like a, probably one of our better examples of a Christian mourning about their own spiritual poverty. He says, So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? There's his mourning. And I'm, people are probably wanting me to read the very next verse because it's his answer, but this is Paul's, uh, maybe people want to call it metaphoric, speaking about his past, but this is him mourning about where he was without Christ. And, and the Beatitude says, when you do that, you'll be comforted. Yeah. How are we comforted when, when we mourn? The comfort comes from knowing that we have a, a savior. You know the the things that we that we're mourning about, our current condition, the sin that that we have, the the inability to, uh, to do what we know is right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the comfort comes from a savior. Uh, who can fulfill the need? You know, just like we we described the uh, you know those who 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 beg, uh, depending on somebody else for the grace and the m- mercy, uh, we're we're co- comforted when we receive that grace and that m- mercy, when we know that we have an uh, an, an an advocate, uh, who is there to take care of us. Yeah. You know, we recognize the wretched state that we're in, but we have someone that wants to pull us out of that mm. uh, and pick us up and tell us to to grab our mat and and go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see. I see in that image of they shall be comforted is like a baby that's picked up in the arms of someone that it's well, external. The comfort's coming from outside. Uh, whether this parent that picks up the child or a savior that is able to spiritually pick us up. And so the, the blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn. And now the third one, blessed are the meek. I might need help even knowing what that word means. What is meek and what's it doing in this process? So it's, it's again, it's, it's that self emptying, you know, it's, we, we've, we've talked about understanding our, our spiritual state mourning over that spiritual state and then kind of going 
again that these all dove dovetail with one another uh and there is some uh, overlap here but it's again it's hu- humility uh it's it's knowing that there is nothing in and of myself that can save me uh from from the sin in my life uh in a, and kind of accepting that you know and understanding that I can't I can't work this out on my own mm-hmm. and I need God in order to be able to assist me with, with this, to, to help me again. It's that self emptying because when, when, when we empty ourselves, uh, we then have the, uh, the ability to be filled with God. Right. Right. How does the, what does, what does the inherit the earth? Clause, what does that have to do with this? Is this manifest destiny? Like I'm, I'm going to get property? No, no, it's not. It's, it's in inherit. It's, it's kind of like when it talks about the the heavenly kingdom. It's a re reward that we're going to re- receive. It's not that we're going to get anything on this earth. Uh, it's that we in, inherit uh, the blessings from God. Mm-hmm. And so then it's it's a clever way to say it. Yeah, there you go. Well, he's the master preacher. He yeah. he's got all the tricks. Um we mourn and or rather, let's start at the beginning. We we recognize our spiritual poverty. We mourn. We're meek, but now there's this shift. Now we hunger and we thirst. Yeah. And we're hungering and thirsting for righteousness. It says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. What's going on in this shift? Well, kind of like what we said, we we've now I- emptied ourselves, and we want to be filled up. And so oh, okay. it's it's again we've we've recognized uh, who we are in the state that we are in, and now we're sh- sh- shifting to being filled with with the spirit, to be filled with the 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 the, the gospel, to be filled with Christ. Uh, and so it's it's a hunger and a thirst. For knowing who he is mm-hmm. and to know and understand uh, the person that he wants me to be. Yeah. And and then trying to achieve that. So it's a hunger and a thirst for 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 something better uh, than who you are. It's it's moving away from the morning uh, and moving more toward, you know, the, the joy of Christ. You know, hearing you say this and hearing earlier you talk about how this this really should be the heart of a conversion it makes me think about uh people that that experience baptism but maybe did not experience a hungering and thirsting for righteousness we've had several conversations you and i lately about our concern for people who are perhaps either raised in the Church of Christ from birth or they're argued into the Church of Christ. Mm-hmm. All right. They're not really convicted or convinced, but they're are they've been somebody successfully argued them in. And it's, it's almost like they didn't experience this. They didn't get to experience the emptying and then the refilling with Christ. Yeah. You have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh and and this is this is something that I struggled with 
as a young Christian in high school, you know, I just wanted to get into a debate with somebody about baptism. I wanted to to convert them to baptism rather than converting them to Christ. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, we we often think that that if we can just get them in the wa- water, then we've achieved the goal. But we really haven't converted anybody uh, because too often it doesn't last. These are the pe- people that are converted and they're excited and then they fall away because their mind and their heart was never really changed. And again, it, it goes back to the law and the spirit. You got to have both. Uh, and if we just tell people this is what you have to do, but we don't really explain to them what that looks like and what that actually means in the work and the lifestyle change and really just kind of that whole package of what it means to be a Christian. Uh, we're just trying to get them baptized. Well, that that doesn't, that doesn't work and it doesn't last. Mm -hmm. The baptism is kind of the, the culmination of all of this. It's not, it's not, it's a piece of the puzzle, but it's not the puzzle. Right. Right. I, I like the way you say that. Uh, because again, we, we may have had this conversation before privately, but uh, baptism without this is just getting wet. Yeah. And maybe it's because for so many years we've had to convince people who just flat out would deny that baptism was necessary for salvation. And so we've tried so hard to make it necessary for salvation because that's what the Bible says it is, that... Uh, yeah, we've been arguing a lot, arguing them into the church. So yeah. I'm I'm hopeful that our listeners, when they hear this, they don't walk away thinking, well, Wes and Jonathan just don't like baptism at all. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's not true. That's not true. Right. There's, you know, again, Jesus said, not those who say, Lord, Lord, but those who do the will of my Father who's in heaven. And baptism is part of the Father's yeah. will. But what we're getting at is before Jesus says that in Matthew 7, in Matthew 5, he was saying, uh, blessed are those who are spiritually empty, who mourn, who are meek, and now are ready to be filled. I have a note in my Bible I just wanted to share real quick that says, the only ones who are not hungry are either sick or dying, medically speaking. So as humans, we will get hungry again the next yeah. day, even though we eat. And the only ones who don't have some sort of health issue. Yeah, yeah. If you've done the self em- uh, em- emptying process, and you don't fill yourself with Christ, you'll find s- something else to fill it with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's kind of a scary thought. Yeah. Uh, we have to hunger and thirst for r- r- righteousness. It's not just again that self em- emptying. We have to put on Christ. Yeah. We have to get rid of self, but then we have to put on Christ. And so, uh, you're making me ask a question. Well, how would I do that? You know, how if I'm I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. So that let's say I've prepared myself. How would I put on Christ? And that's where we're going to leave it. A cliffhanger. How would I put on Christ when I'm hungering and thirsting for righteousness? I hope that the way we've structured this 
miniseries is that you are hungering and thirsting about the answer to that question. That's exactly what we want. We want you to come back next week. Uh, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Get that downloaded on your phone. Get it ready to go so that whenever the new podcast comes out next Monday, Lord willing, uh, you'll be able to get the answer to that question immediately. Please continue to pray for the Hubbards in real time. Uh, whenever, If you listen to this today or whenever it just comes out uh, soon, this weekend, Lord willing, Wesley's going to be ordained as an evangelist. We're very excited for him, excited for the future of the Hubbards in the Lord's Church. So until next week, you can go to the website and check out all those resources that are free to download and use. And I hope that you will check out that stuff. So, always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true. About a judge by the name of Gideon, he was a man like me and you. Well, it's real.